is P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. And we are back from vacation. We had a week off. But it feels I'm like it's been forever. I know, yeah. I know. It's been so long since we were talking about Dear Sweet Anne Hathaway. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a good moment. I really feel like we convinced some people of the truth, you know? We showed some also, people the light. Also, a lot of people downloaded that episode. Like, yeah. a, like a strangely high amount <laughs> in comparison to our other episodes. So maybe we're we should have switch to change and just our be an Anne Hathaway podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but people love us, so it just it just makes sense. We're growing a following, you know? Yes, yes, for sure. And I feel like, did you see a million movies over vacation? Because I saw like about, I think, nine movies while I was gone. Well, I'm going to be honest. First of all, my husband slash movie partner has been working crazy hours, so I've felt burdened by that and we haven't been able to go to many and also I just feel like overwhelmed by the amount of movies I have to see before the end of the year and it's like very overwhelming to me I didn't know where to start and I feel like I wasted some of my some of my afternoon slots you know (laughs) yeah no I 100% feel you I feel like I've seen so many and I was looking at my list like this week of things that I still want to see and there's like Tons of things on there. So and many. thankfully, literally nothing is coming out this upcoming <laughs> weekend. So that'll give me a little yeah. bit of time to catch up. But like, yeah, so much stuff. No, it's rough. It's rough. But did we get any good news while we were gone? Any nice thoughts from people? Uh, yes, we got some <laughs> reviews. We got yes. several. I'm just going to read one today, you know, space them out. Of but course, this one. This one is really a dream review uh, from my point of view. Um, <laughs> it's by somebody called Mernkel, M-R-N-C-L-E. So I don't know if this is like a Mr. Uncle combination uh-huh. or uh-huh. it's like a weird spelling, a miracle. I don't know. Who knows? But anyways, he says or she says, Shelby and Matt make great counterparts, sometimes agreeing and sometimes peacefully, question mark, disagreeing. <laughs> Their thoughts and opinions are entertaining to listen to, and you are guaranteed to laugh and also learn about pop culture. I very much enjoy listening to their podcast, and it adds joy and fun to an otherwise lackluster workday. Bravo. (laughs) And here's the great part, Shelby. Oh, no. Also, I agree with Matt that Nathan Fillion (laughs) is creepy. He's always giving me that vibe, too, and I'm glad I'm not alone. (laughs) I was really feeling this person until that moment. I, I know. No, that's false. I feel like he has to be a guy because I've never met a girl who got a creepy vibe from Nathan Fillion. It's your guys' own insecurity. You know, you guys are projecting. You just wish you were more like him. Look, Mr. (laughs) Uncle knows what's up. (laughs) He slash she is clearly very in the loop and is good at sensing these things. I'll have you know, know, I've still watched. I still watch The Rookie. Like, I literally still am watching it. Yes. (laughs) I love it. And I'll have you know that he and the too young for him girl broke up. So. Oh, thank the Lord. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's nice. I'm glad. I mean, that's the beauty of our podcast, right? Is everyone's everyone's a little wrong sometimes. And in this moment, both you and Mr. Uncle are are wrong. So, I mean, I think we should go by majority. And there's two of us here <laughs> saying that he's creepy. So no. I think that's where the conversation no, ends. We'll take a poll. We'll see. We, we could take a poll on our Instagram. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let I'll you get start on that. doing that. Yeah. Start pulling. Who do you think is creepy? No, we That'll don't need good. who. It's just like, is Nathan Fillion creepy? <laughs> That's the only person that we really care about at this moment. Oh, okay. Okay, fine. But... I uh, I have I feel like there's a lot of um, weird and creepy people to talk about if we're ready to jump in to tell me something I don't know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. For sure. Well, I <laughs> oh, mean, I yeah. guess first like rate, oh, yeah. review, subscribe, <laughs> follow us on social media, leave us comments, right, 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 blah blah blah. Yes, you're wrong. You were there. Yeah, find us. Please. I sound bored, but really, I get very <laughs> excited when I see them. So it's a weird. Uh, my feelings aren't matching what I'm and, saying. And we did have a giveaway, which was very exciting. And oh, yeah. um, one of our, I mean, I assume she's a listener, but someone <laughs> <laughs> won. So Lex K won and she was going to let us know what movie she ended up seeing. So, oh. you know, just fun things happening. You have to be on the Instagram, on the Twitter, on the Facebook to see those sort of events. So find us at PS You're Wrong. Yep. <laughs> that's all there is to it um, but okay. anyway, I want to go first I want to I wanna go first oh, okay. Okay, I want to go first I have I'll a good you. triumphant story <laughs> guess who's back Amanda friggin Bynes uh, I know it was such a like breath of fresh air seeing that cover like oh my gosh I was so excited to read that story tell us more I've been praying for this day for years <laughs> for those of you who do not understand big fat liar <laughs> is one of the greatest films ever made oh my gosh and uh, the fact that amanda Bynes, who is so funny in that and yes, in everything really in everything like, kind of fell off the deep end went through a lot of life struggles and i was just rooting for her i was like come on like we want to come back everybody wants a comeback like come on you can do it you can do it <laughs> but i didn't think it was going to happen it's been so many years and then just like an angel from above <laughs> paper magazine Christmas drops miracle. this article this like totally out of the blue yeah that's like amanda Bynes went through a lot she ha- was like addicted to drugs she went mm-hmm. to rehab but she's been sober for a while and now she's back and ready for action she's like in college she's yes. living her best life and i was like uh so big fat liar two question <laughs> anyone anybody i don't think anyone wants that you know that's a lot i don't think anyone wants it i'll take no. a poll right after asking if nathan fillion's creepy i'll be like does anyone care about big fat liar and it'll be they big... should it's <laughs> such a great movie it is good i was more i was saddened to hear that she was triggered by she's the man which is honestly one of the most quoted films in my family in my life it's been it's been a favorite for a long time and she that was like that spiraled her for some reason seeing herself as a man she had a lot of self-loathing come from that which is just too bad because it's amazing, one. And second of all, she selflessly gave us, like single-handedly discovered Channing Tatum. So Her wig was bad in that movie. <laughs> I mean, I can agree with that. No, it was such a good... Please tell me you don't... You like She's the Man, right? No, 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 no. I like She's the Man. Oh, she's okay, the Man's a good okay, movie. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's not yeah. as good as Big Fat Liar, but it's a good movie. <laughs> Yeah, okay, that's fine. But I am excited that she's doing so well. And it was just like, it was a nice refresher, especially given the fact that we had just been saddled with a less positive profile. 
<laughs> which was not it was still a fun read but lena dunham our favorite uh, over here at ps you're uh, wrong she was featured um what was it new york magazine or the cut or something i don't know i don't know it was stupid. a seven thousand word profile it was so long it was so good oh my gosh i loved it like the author was a genius because she never ever ever like made a judgment she never shared her opinion but she presented things in such a way that you can just feel like the sneering like it's just like she was just so i don't know it was just delightful to read and just like mesmerizing to watch like lena dunham play out in such a raw and real way and you just knew exactly who she was you know did you get a chance to read it you know, I read the highlights, <laughs> but I didn't have the energy to read that long of a piece about <laughs> Lena Dunham. Like, what, what's like, like, give us like top billing. What oh, is man. the main attraction of this? Oh story? my gosh. I mean, first of all, every time she mentions Jack Antonoff, I just like cringe Ugh. inside. And there were so many delightful moments where she was like, one of my favorites was she's like, yeah, he doesn't come over as much anymore just because he doesn't like my cats. And I was like, well, okay, Lena, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's the cats. <laughs> also, isn't he like engaged to a model or something now? He's dating a model, but they're really good friends. Okay. She insisted that they're still really close, you know? So, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Someone hasn't mm-hmm. gotten the memo. But she also, what was most like, just like typical of Lena and why I don't like her, because I've gotten a lot of flack from people who think I just like hate her, like, and it's anti feminist of me to hate her. But I do not like her as a human being. I think she's a bad person. I think she is riding the coat of privilege and her parents and wealth, and that protects her from judgment for making these racist and sexist and totally horrible thing she says but in this article she's talking with her mom who she calls mama which is just like okay and (laughs) and her mom is some artist in her own right and she was doing a photography piece or something on gender and so she featured her um transgender child and lena was like yeah i just i really bullied my mom into including me too because i couldn't be left out and it's like (laughs) It's like, Lena, like, you don't belong there. Like, just stop. This is what's annoying about you is you just feel so entitled to everything and you just make it all about you. And it's just so nauseating. But I still read 7,000 words on her and it was it was an amazing read. So I would recommend it to anyone. book? I feel like you should no. read her book as like an experiment no, and get no, back no. to us. Oh, no, no, no. I couldn't. I That's too, that's too close. It's too in her mind. I just cannot go to such a toxic place you know this i was protected by the by the careful and precise judgment of the author so okay well you it know it's great though yeah <laughs> another good another good profile if you're looking for more celebrity i guess celebrity if we're, if we're just gonna hit all the celebrity profiles <laughs> i might as well yes. bring up the sean mendes one because <laughs> poor guy really three yeah. for three here uh so for those of you who do not know, Sean Mendez, the singer, had a <laughs> Rolling Stone profile in yes. which he talked about a lot of things. But 
mostly he was talking about how or the big headline i guess was he was talking about how people have accused him of being gay for very for like several years despite the fact that he's repeatedly said that he's not and how he feels like now he's pressured to date like women which he really hasn't but like he feels like he should just to get people off his back and he Mm -hmm. like rewatches old videos of himself and Uh, like has changed the way he sits and the way he dresses and the way he talks because he's trying to prove to people that he's not gay and how he thinks that people should just leave him alone and that if he actually was gay that this would be really hurtful for him and it was hurtful for him even though he wasn't it was it's like a very complex i um, know issue and like very sad yeah well it's rough because he's 20 years old right and he's been in the spotlight for like five or so years now to varying degrees. And so it's like, and he admits like, he's like, he doesn't want to sound like he hates that. He feels like that. I don't know. Homophobia about like, Oh, people shouldn't think I'm gay. But I got the sense that it wasn't so much being gay is bad. It's more frustrating that he feels so like cornered by people who are insisting he's one thing when he's not, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was just like really sort of like sad to read about this poor guy who just wants to make music and he just wants to like perform and he's just like ridden with all this anxiety and this like concern about, you know, everyone projecting on him. And it's also annoying too because we as a culture are like, men should be more in touch with their feminine side. Like toxic masculinity is destroying your emotional grasp or whatever. And then when you have a man who's admittedly like who's proud of his more you know, so-called feminine side and is happy to wear glitter in, in Instagram videos and stuff, they suddenly want to pigeonhole him as like a gay icon. So it's just sort of, it's frustrating. Like I really feel for him because it's like you can't really have it one way or the other way. I don't know. It's, right. it's such like a tricky issue. And for a celebrity where like every little thing you do is scrutinized and like watched a million times on the internet to have yeah. to like have all of the things that you've ever said or done like picked apart in this right. way, I think is really difficult. Yeah. And it sounds like he's carrying a lot of <laughs> anxiety. He's like, oh, I'm worried this will all go away. And I have these three rules and I'll never say no to a photo. And I was just like, oh, Sean, like, honey, please just take some you time, you know, like just <laughs> go take a breather. Stop worrying so much. But hang out with your friend Taylor Swift. Just start pissing people <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. But my favorite part was at the end, the writer had seen him basically hook up with this random bartender in whatever country they were in. And afterwards, there was a splurry of excitement because he followed her on Instagram. And so everyone was like, is he dating her? And then he admits that while he was in the bathroom, this girl had gotten on his phone and followed him, followed herself on his Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) which is Uh, just amazing what a baller move i feel like first of all he should definitely password protect his phone but second of all if i was in in a room with a celebrity and they left their phone unattended like that would be that would be such a dream come true i would just like i would love it and i definitely think i would like follow myself you know (laughs) i don't understand i don't like leaving my phone by itself like with friends (laughs) And I am not a celebrity. If it was a random stranger (laughs) and I was a celebrity, there'd be no way anybody's touching that bad boy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, lesson learned. Oh, poor Sean. But he'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just, he's so young. I think you'd think that he's older because he looks older and because he's been around for a while. But he became famous at like age 14. 
Like, this isn't something a 14-year-old should have to deal with. I know. I know. But he has some good music. I listened to some of it randomly. I'd never really given him a chance, but it was good. So the profile's working, you know? Sympathy vote. (laughs) Sympathy downloads. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) Um, I feel like I have to bring this up. We talked about it a little bit, but it was big news. Um, On Thanksgiving Day, The Lion King released its first teaser. Oh, yes. And... It's hard to talk about because I feel like it's old news, but I just really need to, I just need to take a poll, I guess, because do you consider Another this, Instagram poll. <laughs> yeah. Do you consider this animated, like CGI film to be live action? When did it get oh, that no. label? Why is no. it called a live action Lion it's King? It's clearly not live action. <laughs> it's just that they they have been doing these live action <laughs> remakes of Disney yeah. movies. And since the Lion King, there's no people in it. It all has to be CG. Yeah. And so, but it's but it's already lumped in this group of live action. <laughs> so that's like so, kind of what they're calling it. But it, it yeah, it literally makes no sense whatsoever. I know. And also... I'm I'm a little bit like if it's just going to be an animated version of an already animated yes. movie and the trailer is like shot for <laughs> shot, shot for shot yeah the the old trailer from like 1992 or whenever that movie came yeah. out like why do we need this I know it's like the cartoon still holds up like it's still powerful it's still beautiful it's not like watching Shrek again and being like oh look at the graphics back then it's how hand drawn how <laughs> dare you I'm just saying the graphics aren't like noticeable like it's just a hand drawn animated movie like it's beautiful and it's still obviously powerful because people are still loving it and now they're just profiting off of just literally remaking it scene for scene and getting a whole new slew of audience members to see it. It's just yeah. in, it's just a little infuriating to me. And it's not that it doesn't look like... Like, honestly, to me, I don't find it really appealing to see, like, realistic animals, like, tumble in the grass and make, like, sex eyes at each other while singing. But I can admit that it looks, like, very gorgeous. Like, it looks very beautiful and, and obviously well done. But it just... Something about it just seems a little off to me. But... That being said, I really actually enjoyed the Jungle Book. So, but the Jungle Book, no, sorry. <laughs> the thing about the Jungle Book is they didn't sing the songs and they didn't have the same story. So it just, I don't know. I'll be interested well, to see how it plays out. I'm confused off. if they're singing the same songs or not because, like, they have Beyonce in there, but she doesn't have a song in the <laughs> original movie. Well, like, she Nala has a verse. Sing. Doesn't she sing a verse in Can You Feel the Love? No, Timon yeah. and Pumbaa no, sing Can You Feel the Love Because she sings, he's holding back, he's hiding. You know, that's her little aside. Oh, okay, like two, yes, like two <laughs> words. Yes, she, she has, has like a, a line and a half. It's not <laughs> yeah. a verse. It's like a, it's like a couple lines. It's definitely a verse, what but What I want to know is how are they going to do the live action version of the I Just Can't Wait to Be King song where like everybody is piling on top of each other? Like, what is that going to look like? Yeah, it's like, it's just going to be weird to see like this photorealism, but cartoonish stories, you know? I don't know. It's just like a little off-putting to me, but it'll still make millions of dollars and we'll probably have to do a podcast episode about it. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> well, we kind of talked in the Ra- in the Christopher Robin episode about these movies and I am oh, like yeah. 
unenthused by all of them except <laughs> for randomly Dumbo which I am very excited oh, about. Oh no, I am not at all excited about that one. Since she when has so Dumbo cute. been everyone's favorite? Since when? When did everyone fall in love with Dumbo? I, I mean, don't get I've it. I've always liked Dumbo. I don't know. I've been I don't know. I've never heard you mention Dumbo. I've never heard it come up when people are like talking about their favorite Disney movies. No, it's definitely not. And anybody who comes out and is like, Dumbo's always my favorite lies, like 100% <laughs> lies. But I watched it as a kid and liked it. And I would much rather watch Dumbo than any of the boring princess ones. So, <laughs> But Dumbo never talks. And there's those racist crows. And it's sad. And it's an animal abuse story. You know, I have not watched it in recent years, so the (laughs) racist crows and the animal abuse is not really sticking out my mind. The main thing that's sticking out in my mind is that weird psychedelic elephants on parade song, which I am excited about. Uh, Okay, well, speaking of weird movies, should we get into it? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Did we see a weird movie for this podcast, (laughs) shall we? I mean, I guess we might be split on it, but this week we're talking about the crimes of Grindelwald. 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 Yes. Well, it's actually Fantastic Beast. And is it the Colon, Fantastic the Beast? The Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe is the full title. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of issues with the title alone because, first of all, it's not about Fantastic Beast anymore, it's barely about Newt anymore. And then this movie goes and it's not even about the crimes of Grindelwald. So I don't know. Yeah, this Grindelwald having is in crisis. it. And I guess he does commit some crimes, but it's definitely <laughs> not, uh, it like is not a horrific crime movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess I kind of expected him to be more involved in his story, but he really wasn't. And I'm sure he'll be more involved in the next three freaking movies we have in this series. But to me, it was just like, why title it this? You know, like maybe it should have been called like the search for Credence's lineage. You know, like it was just like (laughs) the genealogy mystery. (laughs) Yeah. Wandering Paris aimlessly. Like that's what it was. You know, it was just... (laughs) Well, Who let's, am I, let, you know? <laughs> let's set this up a little bit. So this is the okay. second uh, of Fantastic five. Beast movie. Yes, yeah. of five. She said there's going to be five. That may be in a question based on these box office numbers. But yeah. we'll get into that later. <laughs> Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, starring yeah. Eddie Redmayne, came out in 2016. It was, yeah. I mean, so basically J.K. Rowling wrote all the Harry Potter books. All the Harry Potter movies came out. Then at some point... In the years following that, I I want to say the last movie came out in like 2011, maybe 2012. Mm-hmm. The final one did. I think so. And so in the intervening years, you know, she said like, <sighs> I'm not going to write any more Harry Potter books. She did. She but said she's that, yeah. continued to kind of like put <laughs> random stuff on Twitter and on Pottermore. Then I can't remember what came out first. I think the news about the play, maybe. I don't know. But she, anyway, she wrote like a play that's. Uh, I think Fantastic like Beast was announced first. Maybe I Fantastic say, Beast was announced first. Like it was, it didn't come out first, obviously. But I think the word was out on this movie. I think I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering. Well, and originally it was going to be one movie that was just <laughs> going to be like about the Fantastic Beast and about Newt. Yeah, like Jake the title Rowling said has like a book. 
a textbook in the Harry Potter world is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yes. And so for charity, like way back when in the middle of the Harry Potter series, <laughs> she wrote like a 50 page book that basically just has like a bunch of just magical creatures. encyclopedia yeah. entries on weird beasts from the Harry Potter series and like extra mm-hmm. ones that she added and published it for charity money. Mm-hmm. So I think originally she was just going to like kind of adapt that sort of <laughs> into a movie. And then at some point it was then announced that no, it's actually going to be three movies. And then later it was announced, Oh wait, it's actually going to be five movies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I Fantastic just, oh. Beasts yeah. came out in 2016. Yeah. It did. Did you like that movie? <laughs> okay. I'm going to get flack for this and I'm going to be told that I can't have an opinion, but I never saw it. <laughs> Shelby. <laughs> I tried. Shelby. I tried so many times. Dear but you know Lord what? In heaven. No, no. You know what? It's fine because I had to sit through all her weird, like, American magical history lessons and I took the dumb American mag quiz or whatever and I dealt with her calling us no madges instead of muggles fine whatever I lived it all you know and I just realized like I can't handle her in America you know I just can't handle it I can't so I didn't <laughs> Shelly I don't understand how we can have a podcast about the second Fantastic Beast movie when one of the two co-hosts did not see the first one. I've got to, I've got to ask you: Do you think these really tie that much together? Because I read the synopsis, I knew all about it. Like I'd heard a lot about it, and this, admittedly, in all the reviews I read, even was like, yeah, she kind of just like leaves behind what worked in Fantastic Beasts and made this new series about Grindelwald and Dumbledore and Credence, you know? So I think I feel very confident having this discussion. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. This is, I'm getting PTSD from when I had to watch frigging both Ant-Man movies and then come to find out you had not seen the first one of those either. Yeah. But I still had a very measured and thoughtful review of ant-man 2 so i don't feel bad (laughs) oh my gosh okay can we can i just like get an an a like uh uh clearly stated promise (laughs) that we are covering creed 2 next week oh i've definitely definitely seen yeah i've for sure seen it we do the podcast for sure you know i was gonna rewatch it but it was off of hbo so what was i supposed to do you know the, you were going to rewatch. I was going to watch Beast. Fantastic Beasts. I was going to watch the first one. I I got like twenty minutes in once, so the movie's like <laughs> three hours long, Shelby. <laughs> exactly. Like honestly, this podcast isn't about the first one, so we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. But I just okay, well, didn't care. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to uh, now do most of the talking for the remainder <laughs> of this podcast, and no. my opinion is really the only no, one that matters. It's not. Okay, this is the reason. This is it. Okay, I have a lot of opinions on J.K. Rowling. I have a lot of opinions on what she's been doing. So I feel totally confident, like, explaining why this movie proves my point on her further, you know? But let's give a quick refresher of the first one. Let our listeners know what happened and give me the quick refresh. It'll be good. Um, yeah. So (laughs) I... 
reread the screenplay version of what? this in preparation for the podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because Such a I am trying to be a good host. <laughs> okay. The first the first movie yeah, for those did of you... you who are unaware. Yeah. I loved it came out mm. a couple years ago. I saw it in theaters like opening night. It was great. It's basically okay, but I think we have to let our listeners know that you're a little biased. You're a big J.K. Rowling fan. You even liked the Cursed Child. Okay, okay. Can I, I just, just need talk to for set five seconds. <laughs> I just need people to know. Just okay, hold your horses, Shelby. <laughs> hold your horses. The first movie. Is about Newt's commander, played by Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> he comes to New York City, and he has a briefcase full of animals, yeah. magical creatures, that accidentally get, like, let out in the city. And then the majority of the movie is him, wa- like, wandering around New York, finding these weird creatures. Mm-hmm. There is also a plot line where Grindelwald is undercover as Colin Farrell. Spoiler alert. Trying- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess also if people who haven't listened to this haven't seen the first one, then uh, whatever, who cares? So that's like a, a side plotline, but not a really big plotline in the first movie. Right. Now, going back to my love of Harry Potter. Yes, I do love Harry Potter. It is great. J.K. Rowling's fantastic. I've read all of her books, even the non-J.K. Rowling ones. I read The Cursed Child. And to be fair, I was like middling on Cursed Child <laughs> as a screenplay. Once yeah. I saw it like on Broadway, the fact that they do like magic on stage and the like emotion that's there i think i was able to forgive it a lot of its weird mm-hmm. like discrepancies of plot and yeah. it's like a time travel book but it doesn't really like fit in with the time travel rules that she had previously stated in the harry potter series so Sounds that's not familiar here yeah no but it is here or there because that's jk rowling's problem and that is my main frustration with this movie with the series with her retconning her own canon like she is distracting people with just enough of the magic that they won't draw a question to the dumb misstep she makes the horrible like storytelling decisions she makes like she is hoping that we aren't paying enough attention to notice that she completely rewrote how a certain spell works or when McGonagall became a teacher or whether or not Dumbledore ever taught like She's just, uh, I I get heated talking about this because I am also a big Harry Potter fan, but my love of J.K. Rowling ended with the seventh book because everything after that has just been a hot mess of an attempt to stay relevant. I feel like <laughs> it's... It's just like, okay, like Harry Potter is, is a series that's like well regarded for its intricacies, yes. its layers, its... It's thoughtfulness. It's like literally taught in college courses. They're dedicated to the entire Harry Potter series. No one will say the same for Fantastic Beasts because this was yes. a huge mess. Yeah. It's tricky when you're trying to go back into something that is like a completely finished package and then take things from it and, and put it into a new plot and connect it with these plays and movies and whatever. It like things just don't sync up well because you're going back. And even though she wrote the book, she doesn't necessarily remember details <laughs> of it as well as other people but do. But she should. That's her job. You know, like that's it's her world. She should she should care enough about these scripts that she thinks, huh, you know, like, 
when was McGonagall born? You know, it's like easy well, enough to fact check these things. So if if we are going to talk about the <laughs> McGonagall of it all, which is a side tangent, apparently <laughs> yeah. McGonagall's grandmother is also named Minerva McGonagall, and she Mm-mm. would have been alive at that time. So people are saying that that's who that is and not the actual McGonagall in the books. Well, that I is don't think interesting. that that's been substantiated, <laughs> but what's that's crazy a is that I would maybe believe that, but I'm pretty sure her parents are mentioned once, and I don't think I don't remember exactly. But also, what's well, more suspicious to me, oh, her grandmother. But more suspicious to me is the fact that J.K. Rowling has gone back into Pottermore and changed the dates on Minerva McGonagall's history. After people brought attention to the fact that she couldn't have been at Hogwarts, oh, well, she's that's literally shady. rewriting her her like canon, her dumb Pottermore stories, her tweets she like sent in a drug induced haze. I don't know, but she's going back and trying to fix, like, fill the gaps that she inserted by like stirring the pot here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so let let's get into the actual movie then. <laughs> And you did see this one, correct? I did. I it. sat through you didn't watch all twenty like, minutes, and all then three effing hours of this. Of I watched it, and I have to say, even even if the scene, the first movie, would have helped me contextualize some of the moments in this, this movie was a lot of talk and very little action. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you right now, watching the first <laughs> one would not have helped you understand yeah, this one because I was also struggling exactly. to put all the pieces together. Oh, I went and saw this like on the Tuesday night opening night screening with a bunch of like other Harry Potter fans. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when the lights came up, everyone was sort of like, um, wait, what? <laughs> like uh, I'm confused. And then I've had people who I've texted about this say like, oh yeah, I think it's better on like a second or third viewing because uh. you like can sort of follow along what's happening better. <laughs> and I'm like, that, well, that's not what we want necessarily yeah. in a, in a movie. This it's a, it's very complicated. There's way too many characters. So many. There's not enough action. None There's way all. too many genealogies, backstories, which are <laughs> not exciting. It's like two in a row and like, they end up not mattering at all. Oh, like this is a fun. I thought this movie was like fun to watch in the like magic of it all. Cause there's lots of like cool scenes and like fun things happening at various mm-hmm. points. And I liked it in the fact that it, was a Harry Potter movie and I always get excited about that but this one I feel like fell a little short for me I guess another thing that I should say about the Harry Potter movies is that I generally do not like the actual Harry Potter movies yeah so I think I'm less hard on these ones right. just because of how viscerally I hate like Goblet of Fire <laughs> and the La- and the Deathly Hallows part two like <laughs> They're just so bad that this, I'm like, oh, this is great. I can handle this every day of the week because she's not destroying the the books, which she was in those movies. But see, one thing, she didn't have creative control over the movies. She had creative control here, so what's her excuse? And two, the movies at least revolved around these characters where you could like really root for these characters because you knew them, you loved them, you understood them. Here it's like... 
what's going on with Queenie? Who the freak cares about Lita or whatever? And like, who's her brother appearing? Like, what's this other random aura running around, like sneaking behind people's back? There was so much happening and there was no emotional thread to carry it through. There was no emotional payoff when these characters like finally met or finally like faced each other off. Like there was no emotion. It was just like, there's just so much talking and so many people wandering around just like talking and and staring and like nothing was happening and she kept again just trying to distract us with these weird magical moments that really didn't make any sense in the grander concept of this world she's created because like there's a scene where they're in Paris and then suddenly all these black drapes like fall across all the buildings and it was admittedly like a very beautiful scene but I was like well wait do the muggles see this? Is this some sort of sign? Like, is it a message? What does it mean? What is this magic doing? What is it contributing? Like, what's happening? And I didn't know. And she never explained it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I I very much agree with this. Th- so this is something that I was thinking about a lot with both this movie and then Alton, you're going to hate me for this, but also <laughs> with Widows, which is another movie that I saw this week. And I think part of the problem here is that... And that was written by Gillian Flynn, who's a novelist. This is written by J.K. Rowling, also a novelist. Mm. And I think the problem is, is that they are used to writing in these forms where they can pack a lot in and have a lot of pages and a lot of time to invest in multiple characters. Like a part of the reason why the Harry Potter movies don't work as well as the Harry Potter books is because the there's so many characters in the book and it's so rich and they have so much time to kind of percolate in the reader's mind. And really they only work in the movie if you've already read the books and you're coming in with that backstory. And I think part of the problem with this movie is like, if this was an 800 page book, I think that it would be a lot more compelling because you'd have time with all of these characters. But instead, you only have two and a half hours and a lot of these characters weren't in the (laughs) first one or characters who were in the first one get like a lot less time in this one. So it's like it's it's hard to connect all of the dots and care about the characters. And I thought the same thing with Widows. There's just so (laughs) many characters and so many things going on and so many different plots they're trying to tie together. That I was like lost in both. Yeah. We don't have to talk about <laughs> widows in the same breath that we talk about crimes of Grindelwald, okay? Because I think I get your point, I really do, but it just kind of it just doesn't connect when you use the two as a comparison. But I agree, I feel like they're very similar. Yeah. And I feel like they are also very <laughs> similar quality oh, Matt, movies. Matt, 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 they are next oh, to each other okay. in my ranking. Whoa, whoa. Times out. These are no way, shape, or form similar quality films. Like, first of all, you didn't want to do a Widows podcast. We're doing Crimes of Grindelwald. Like, we don't have to we don't have to <laughs> bring them both into this because I just disagree wholeheartedly. And honestly, I'll give my two cents at the end of this about Widows, because you know that's coming. But going back to Crimes of Grindelwald. We'll argue about it then, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I can see what you mean, like about maybe she was hope she doesn't know how to naturally move a plot by dialogue alone because she tended to rely on dialogue as exposition. And it was just like every character you met had to give a monologue. I was just confused by how many there was like Bunty, who I guess she's a new character, right? Yeah, but was she even a character? She was in one scene. Exactly, but they still took the time to introduce this new character who had this like weird moment with Newt. And then there was the scene where like 
um, Queenie and Jacob come and they have to explain like how he is back after the first one. Did you have any thoughts on this? Because watching it without even seeing the first one, I was really annoyed. Well, okay. So <laughs> something that I I have an issue with in this movie is the Queenie and Jacob of it all. I think yes. they were great in the first one. When yeah. the whole plot is just to like have them run around New York City and find these animals like it makes sense that they like get this random muggle Jacob did like he like sort of tags along the or sister Queenie like sure bring her along we're going around the city like we're in Central Park looking for animals I feel like the two of them had like a perfectly fine ending in the first movie and I don't understand why they were brought back for this one like just (laughs) like have a comment like oh yeah they're living happy in New York or whatever and then I don't understand why we need to bring them back I think the reason why they're being brought back is because J.K. Rowling is going to give us another (laughs) weird genealogy twist at some point later (laughs) down the road where they're like, oh, these two characters are are actually somebody from the books that we know. They just have like different (laughs) names or whatever. I can see that coming down the pike. And I think that's why they're like, kind of shoehorned in here but yeah no i i felt like there was a lot of exposition i I think think... the problem with that is that she isn't a screenwriter i mean yeah there's a big difference between writing for screen and writing novels like i work at a literary agency and authors try to write screenplays all the time and it's (laughs) usually a hot mess because it's just a completely different format well and i think what jk rowling has shown through her tweets through pottermore through cursed child is she doesn't know how to let go she really doesn't. And so when you have these successful or cute or fun characters to write in the first one, she obviously wants to carry them into the next, but she also wants to write new characters. So it just becomes like bloated with characters. And what I was getting at with the Jacob and Queenie storyline was Jacob at the end of the first one is along with the rest of Manhattan, obliviated, right? Their yes. memory is wiped. So this is a common spell. It's a really like well used spell in the Harry Potter world. They obliviate. Well, oh, okay. no. Okay. But, but just, okay. No. So anyway, just a second. In Shelby. This, no, I have no, to because, say this. Okay, and then I'll go back so, and correct you. Yeah. No. In this world, Jacob shows up. He had been obliviated, lost his memories, and he's just like casually like, oh. Well, that only works on bad memories. And I didn't have any because I had so much fun with you guys. And it's just like, I'm sorry. That is totally changing how magic works because... Shelby, 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 Shelby. Let me cut you off here because (laughs) you're not watching the first movie is showing. Uh, So they're not obliviated. There's like this weird like bird thing that flies around the city and it like rains and that's how like the whole city like forgets that this happened or whatever but there's a scene in the first movie like the last scene of the first movie yeah is jacob has a bakery and like you see him working in the bakery and all of the things in the bake shop are like shaped like animals from the movie like all of his like pastries and whatever are shaped like animals and then queenie comes in and he turns around and like the last shot of the movie is him like seeing her and like lighting up like he knows her so it's not necessarily like there was that movie and then she like went back and like changed things to like make it right make him fit in this one because that was already like hinted at or whatever in the last one but in the mo- in this movie they call it they say that he had his memory obliviated like i remember hearing that and then being confused when they were like oh it only took away the bad memories because and i feel well, like a lot of the internet the agrees with me Hmm. I mean, 
May, I mean, it may be shady, but it is not. <laughs> it is not like oh, she changed okay. the rules of some spell from an earlier. Well, tell the rest of Twitter because <laughs> people are upset. And in the movie, I was like, wait a second. Then Hermione's parents would remember everything, you know. So okay, okay. I hope that's you're true. In the weeds. You're in the weeds. Let's get back <laughs> on track. Let's talk about the Johnny Depp of it all because I feel like this is a big issue that she cast or Johnny Depp, I guess was cast. He had like a cameo role in the first one. He's back in a much bigger role in this one. Yeah. He's Grindelwald. Yeah. He's Grindelwald. At some point in the, in the middle of the taping or whatever, like these accusations came out that he had like abused his girlfriend. People were calling for him to be removed from the movie. People like didn't know whether he was, or he wasn't going to be for a while. Then JK Rowling came out and said like, no, he's staying in the movie and gave this statement of like that Johnny Depp and his ex-girlfriend fiance, I think it was his girlfriend. wife. wife. Yeah. Yeah. Amber Heard, that they had sort of agreed amongst themselves that they didn't want to like press charges or anything, or they just wanted to like there let was that a settlement be in the history. Yeah. And that, so then like they didn't want any professional like blowback from their well, personal Well, neither life. of them said that. It wasn't like part of the agreement to make a statement on their professional lives. It was just they settled. Well, no, but that for... was in JK Rowling's right, right, statement right. that she yeah. released. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So J.K. Rowling decided she picked this hill to die on, which was a surprise to a lot of people, I think. And it's hard to say if it like affected the box office numbers, because I think Johnny Depp is sort of it is like a tricky situation, like whatever your opinion on it. It's hard to kind of justify now because it was like settled behind closed doors and both parties made a statement saying that they had a passionate affair, whatever. But I just had trouble with it because it seemed like anyone would be better than Johnny Depp. Like it seemed like such a dated choice to kind of like, oh, we have to have Johnny Depp. He was so good in Pirates, but he hasn't been that great in anything since. And honestly, in this movie, he felt very flat, you know? Yeah, I mean, I like, would I have cast Johnny Depp if I had had my <laughs> druthers? No. But I think yeah. it is tricky with, I mean, I know that there's lots of like legal things going on in the background of like contracts and whatnot. And you can't just like fire people because of like a random rumor that's going on if you've signed a contract for however many movies and whatnot. So I sort of feel for jk rowling a little bit in the fact that i'm I not mean, sure this was necessarily we don't know her that. decision right yeah i mean it didn't seem like did everyone else sign on for five-part movie roles or after the first one or was it sort of still up in the air i mean i i don't know yeah but i just know like from working and publishing there's right. when an author signs a a contract with a publisher you know like if the author does something that like is irreparable damage to their persona then like an, a publisher can cancel the contract but if it's not something that is like you know if there if there's not anything like solid that you can hang your hat on you can't just like cancel something for the sake of canceling it and i feel like it could have been an issue with like the megan kelly thing a couple of weeks ago that we talked about <laughs> where like he's under contract for these movies and he's like well you can fire me but you have to pay me however many millions of dollars and the studio's like well we don't want to do that and then also have to pay somebody else so we're just going to keep you like i don't know Right. It's sort of just like, a yeah, we have no idea. But I think it's like, all in all, it is just sort of 
unfortunate, not not just because of the implications of what he may have done to his wife, but more it's just sort of sucks that this is the Grindelwald we get, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) I really think we're going to have him for three more. Exactly. And compared to like Jude Law, who's so charismatic, you can really imagine him being a good Dumbledore. Like it sort of makes sense, even though his costuming is totally different than what you're used to. Yes. It's like. It's like, oh, like you would want someone to match that and kind of have that same sexual chemistry, that sex appeal, that like charisma. And Johnny Depp just looks like a melted candlestick here. You know, like he is just like falling apart at the seams. He's just like white and pasty and boring. And I'm not sure what he doesn't like bring any emotion. And I'm sure that's like a character choice to some degree. But I've also read enough profiles on Johnny Depp lately to know that he's not great at memorizing lines. He's not been great at like being present on the set and not in some drug induced haze. Like it sort of just feels like he doesn't bring a lot to the character and it suffers for it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did not think that he was great in this. And and I was sort of thinking to myself, like, uh, is there a way that she could somehow like, for the next two movies, you know, like right, yeah. like oh, he went to Australia and now, yeah. you know, like just not. Or he should just be like, he's not dead. He should just realize, wait, I have the power to look like Colin Firth and then just constantly look like Colin Firth. You know, like that's well, what he should do. Colin just... Farrell, but sure, oh, Colin yeah. Firth as well. <laughs> Either one would work. Just random British just actors. Someone, yeah, anyone's better. But I think what was most interesting about this movie was not only the laborious journey to get to the final the final showdown, the final twist, but it was just sort of like everything that happened in the movie ended up not mattering, you know? <laughs> because the central tension, I guess, is Queenie wants to find her sister because she's feeling sad about her boyfriend, and then she gets sort of randomly wrapped up in this Grindelwald <laughs> I don't know, clan and is sort of brain interested in his dark side and then Jacob wants to find Queenie and Newt wants to find um, his well, love interest. wants to find Credence, I think is basically yeah. what happens. Like Credence is in France in a circus and yeah. Grindelwald and Dumbledore and Newt and Tina, like basically everybody is looking for him because they think that he's somehow related. He's like a secret Lestrange <laughs> or something. So they're all on the hunt. And then when you get to the final scene, you realize that whatever like the genealogy twist that <laughs> we were thinking was going to happen, like it really isn't important at all. And the, the majority of this was movie amazing. was basically yeah. just a, a long winded setup to get everybody at this like tomb scene so that this we could tomb, like yeah. pick sides basically. Which was one of my favorite moments was, I mean, they all end up at this tomb because they know Grindelwald's going to be there, right? Like they have the... They know something's going to go down there. So they go to like, check it out. Right. I can't remember no, now. No, they go there because they think his like, they think oh, that's right, that's right. genealogy this, yeah, scroll that's right. or whatever is stuff. there. Yeah, that's right. So they go and you get two <laughs> flashback monologues in a row. And they were just amazing. First of all, I was, it was just Lita's especially. I mean, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but. I'm pretty sure it's implied. Let's get into spoilers. Let's just do it because the next (laughs) thing we're going to talk about is a real big spoiler. (laughs) Yeah. But it was amazing because basically she has this sibling who's a baby and the baby cries. And so she's like bothered by this. 
And then it turns out, I'm pretty sure it's implied she was on the Titanic. Like, am I just yes, projecting? Yes, people have said this. It was not documented in the movie, but like, <laughs> it, they're on a boat that they're sinks. They're on a boat, and it's sinking, and they're in the dark, and they're on these lifeboats. So anyways, in the middle of this sinking ship, she decides to baby swap which is just crazy. That is a bad sister move. And so then, of course, it's too bad because the baby dies. Her real brother dies in the, the ocean. The genealogy is like way too complicated. Like we cannot get into it on this podcast. It's because so dumb. I, like I was confused in the movie. I think I finally got yeah. a grasp of it now. But like even still, it's like not worth going into. No, it's silly. And it's dumb because it, it again sort of starts to unravel the foundations of the Harry Potter world with the Lestrange line present in that one. But whatever. Because what happens next is once they realize, oh, Credence isn't our brother, the door opens. And it's like, it's just all so silly because Jacob is like, I've got to go into this magical, this hole that just opened. I'm going to go in and find Queenie. Yeah. And then they go in and there's like this secret cult gathering of like people here to listen to <laughs> it's to it's a presentation. So and there are so many plot holes in this whole thing. So like, we many. We could like sit yes. here and poke plot holes all day but i feel like for time's sake we really just need to get to the biggest weirdest no. plot twist in the in the movie so basically at the end <laughs> grindelwald like runs away with credence they're in a castle somewhere and <laughs> like austria yes and mm-hmm. grindelwald is like ah, uh, the reason why i needed you is because <laughs> Actually, you're not a Lestrange and you're not Credence. Your name is Aurelius Dumbledore. And you're like, <laughs> I was so mad. What? Oh, I couldn't I understand so what, what name he was saying. I was like, who is this? Like, <laughs> like, who is this? Is this someone I was supposed to know? Is this a random new Dumbledore? I was so confused. Yeah. And then they just leave you on that note. Like, oh, he's a secret Dumbledore. Oh, it was but so like, dumb. Who? Who is he? <laughs> no, it doesn't. And this is the thing. Obviously, she has three movies to sort this out. So maybe it'll turn out that Grindelwald was lying. Or maybe it'll turn out she's like, he's not Dumbledore's brother. He's Dumbledore's cousin. Though I think he said explicitly they're brothers, right? Who? Dumbledore and Credence. I don't think so. I don't I, I don't remember that. What I got mm-hmm. is that he is a Dumbledore. And so like the plot, I feel like the fan theories are option one, Grindelwald is lying. Option two, yeah. he is a Dumbledore, but is some like strange relative Dumbledore, Distant which doesn't cousin. make any sense, but like maybe. And then option three, which is something that I had sort of been hearing about, like even before this movie ever came out, like on these fan theory boards, is that Credence is an Obscurus, which is like somebody who's had their magic suppressed. And supposedly there's lines in the book that make it sound like Dumbledore's sister, Ariana. I think is also an obscurus. And so there's some kind of theory that somehow like when she, when her like obscurus left her body, it somehow like found its way onto Credence and that now Credence has like Dumbledore's sisters, like spirit within him. And that, that is why their names are like Aurelius and Ariana, which are like kind of similar because he's actually like the sister or something, (laughs) which is all like, again, real weird. And, and like, I don't know how I'm going to like it if that's actually the case, but 
those are the three leading causes, I think, at the moment. Yeah, I I walked away thinking he said it was a brother, but I don't remember the story enough. I don't remember the exact language enough to be sure of that. But either way, it doesn't make sense. And it seems very convenient that Dumbledore, whose history is very well mapped out in Deathly Hollows and further on Pottermore, would have this secret brother or cousin or uncle or whatever that's never mentioned. But it just seems like a hot mess to sort of provoke the masses, I guess. I'm not sure what she's hoping to accomplish. And honestly, it brings up the more annoying part of this story because it's all coming to a head about, you know, Dumbledore and Grindelwald have to face each other. Like that's the whole thing. The part of the movie focuses on the fact that they made this blood oath, which is some magical promise where they can't fight each other. But to me, there's no conceivable time for when they would have made this blood oath because Dumbledore and oh um, Grindelwald already with Dumbledore this. and Grindelwald like the reason they broke like the reason they they were fighting and that led to D- Dumbledore's sister's death so either they had to make the blood oath before fighting and then thus their fight couldn't have happened or they would have made it after he killed her sister and then why would he make that oath even th- it's just like Shelby, you're making fun too of me much work for me to ha- keep having to drag you out of the weed <laughs> every five minutes like no yes, this makes sense but it's like it's so this is like such minutia and this movie has so many bigger it is problems not minutia. than where no, in that's the, the like- problem that is the problem is that she isn't thinking through these things she wrote an entire series that was layered from sorcerer's stones to deathly hollows Everything made sense. Everything fit together. You can read the first one and see hints of the last one. This is the total opposite. She is just hobbling together this weird story that isn't making sense, that's taking apart her better series. And it's just sort of, it's very frustrating as a viewer to think that, oh, it doesn't matter. But it's like, well, then what's the point of these stories? She loves throwing in these Easter eggs. She loves tying it to the Harry Potter world she wrote. But she's doing it in such a lazy way that it's completely unraveling the foundation of her world. See, th- like, this is where I feel like, though, yes, there's all of these issues. And, and <laughs> like, you could sit here and nitpick things all day about this movie. And, and I, could, I mean, like, yeah. I was doing that while I watched it. And I don't think this is a good movie. But I don't understand how you are, like, so in the weeds on this and yet you love a tv show like lost which was literally just crap upon crap upon crap of people just making stuff up to try to dig themselves out of holes that they were digging themselves oh oh matt 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 (laughs) first of all lost wasn't a prequel to another Lost that did it better you know what i mean so it's like totally different second of all lost is sure makes some weird leaps and doesn't always connect all the dots. But deep down, there is a great mythology there that makes sense to true fans. And I'm in the middle of my fourth watching of it. So oh my I know it. <laughs> Dear but Lord. the issue here isn't it's like, yeah, I get it. I'm being nitpicky. I'm being a total nerd. Like really should be able to go to someone this movie. who hasn't even watched the first movie in the <laughs> series. I will well, you made you. me watch this. I wouldn't have watched this if we hadn't had this podcast. And while I was sitting there watching it, I was just so irritated because it was everything I hated about J.K. Rowling. It was just her. 
it was just her trying to be relevant. She based like an entire leg of her promotional tour on the Nagini reveal. And it didn't even matter to the story. It doesn't even matter to the plot. It functions merely as well, an Easter egg so, to lure the Harry Potter nuts there. So an- another thing, another aspect of this movie, I guess, is that this is re- like there's three more movies coming. This is clearly like the first one is a self-contained story to like introduce us to some of those characters. This one feels to me like she's trying to set up all of these different threads that then she's going to come back to in the next yeah. three movies, which she did yeah. not set them up well. And this movie is like a hodgepodge and a mess. And there's so many things going on. But I think yeah. stuff like the Nagini and like some of these other characters that really don't get much airtime in this. I think they're only there because she's going to bring them back in the later movies. <laughs> I which know. Which isn't a good reason to have them there. It's not a good reason. <laughs> but I guess let's circle back a little bit to the fact that this movie did not do well. I mean, like, it did <laughs> yeah. fine in the box office, but it didn't do as well as the first Fantastic Beast. It, like, tanked in its second week. It w- went down by, like, 50-some percent. It only has a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, do mm. you think that looking at this movie are they going to be course correcting on the next three is there no such thing because jk rowling's just gonna like, do what she's gonna do are they gonna fix the budget are they gonna get rid like what do you think their move the studio's move is like going forward because they supposedly have three more movies i'm sure that they will keep the three movies like i don't envision them being like jk will just do one more but I really hope someone sits her down and says, listen, you have to clean this mess up because this storyline could probably function a lot better if she just gave an emotional appeal to one of the characters. Because I think we're supposed to feel for Credence, but I really don't give an F about Credence. And I think there's room to make it more about Dumbledore and Grindelwald, but they do not have any chemistry so far and there's no feeling there, you know, like I just and then Newt is sort of just a background character now in his own series so it's sort of like someone needs to step up and become the emotional like lightning rod for this story because right now it's just spread way too thin so I think she could course correct if she just decided on one thing to focus on but right now she wants the magic of weird creatures and she wants the magic of Hogwarts and like the Harry Potter series and she wants funny little romances and and you know, like all these little nods to the Dumbledore heritage or whatever. So she just needs to really just settle down and map out the stories because I think she's just kind of throwing everything in the pot at once. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I think that the, like, I think that there's a good, like within this movie, I think there is a good movie. I think that she just needed to like trim out about three or four of the characters, (laughs) really focus on the people that are left and then not try to do so many nods that aren't going to like work out or aren't going to like line up correctly. Like, I think if you get rid of Queenie and Jacob, if you get rid of the weird um, brother person (laughs) or like, I I don't even remember. Yeah. I don't know why he was there. you get rid of Nagini. I feel like if you trim out those characters, this becomes much more manageable. Get rid of Nicholas yeah. Flamel. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. Please. And then you can really uh. focus on the people who are here and are important. And I, I hope that with five movies, she's not planning on keeping all of these characters. I feel like I know. If, if this is me, like, first thing I'm doing in movie three is, like, getting rid of people. Like, either kill <laughs> yeah. them or ha- give Send them a them happy off. ending. Like, get rid of them. <laughs> Like, we need less characters, not yeah. more. 
And then if there is going to be action, don't have it just be like spinning your wheels. There was a lot of, oh, of things going on in this movie that never really paid off. Like they just sort yes. of happened because they wanted the special effects. And it's like, I know the person who invented the Harry Potter series, like she has a lot of really cool ideas and a lot. Of, and she's like a smart person. So I think mm. she just needs to like get back on track, making plot lines work and not trying to shoehorn things in for the sake of shoehorning things in. And really, like, I feel like you're putting this all at the feet of J.K. Rowling. (laughs) And I think a lot of it is to, a lot of the blame is to go to her. But I think that when you have projects that are this big and have this much, like, money behind them, like, she is not the person, like, in control of every single aspect. Like, I'm sure she has a say, but I think other people are like, well, we should add this or we should do this. And I think that's where sometimes this gets a little bit messy. Um, Yeah, I guess I get the sense that she's surrounded by yes men. So, like, all the studio execs, all the producers, they want to be on the J.K. Rowling I mean, train. I think so they it's do. Like, yeah, but I let's think that do they this. All, like I don't think anybody is like twisting her arm into something that she doesn't want to do. But right. I think that they, as a studio, are like, we need lots of Harry Potter callbacks. We need lots of references to things <laughs> that they know. So anytime that that's like a suggestion or an option, yeah. they're like, yes, let's run with that and not like, let's come up with something new. And I feel like most of the issues in this movie were like either callbacks to the first movie or callbacks <laughs> to the books. Yeah, no, it's true. I just think I don't necessarily know what the appeal is because I think she's taken two movies now to try and find what the rest of the movies are going to be about. Like, I know I haven't seen it, but I heard the first one is sort of like a standalone where it's much more focused on the Fantastic Beasts. Mm -hmm. And this one is more like, oh, well, let's lay out all the groundwork possible so that maybe something in here will stick where for a story that justifies five films and they decided to pick the one where Grindelwald could maybe stop the Holocaust, you know, like (laughs) it's just, she took on too much and it's starting to just like, it's just starting to break under the pressure. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that the, I think that this would have been much better suited as a novel where she would have had more time to work out (laughs) some of these things. And I think she would have had less people trying to shoehorn things into this. Yeah. Than they did. I mean, I love I I wish... Fantastic Beasts. I yeah. think this is just like I think that there's there's a lot of is- there's a lot of things working against you just automatically, and the fact that this is the second movie of a five movie series, and you're trying <laughs> to set things up, but you're trying to tie things together. Yeah. And then there's just so many problems here, and I don't think any of anything really worked out as well as she had hoped. Has there ever been a like? movie original series that knew it was going to be five movies i can't even like fathom like i feel like no i mean i don't think so i can't even picture like that's a lot for someone to that's like ballsy for someone i mean other than the other than like um like the marvel cinematic universe type things right but i I was thinking about that immediately yeah exactly but i mean there were there was a point somewhere in there where they're like okay we have you know like 12 movies yeah i mean if you look at the movies that marvel has coming up yeah like the avengers is the end of this period but there's already like six or seven more that are on the No, jk rowling could learn a lot from the marvel cinematic universe i think you know like you said at first they didn't know what they were doing but they've really settled down and they mapped it out and it all layers and like connects and it makes sense and i think she needs to take a breath and like really think about what she wants next there is no way that i am ever agreeing to 
give anybody the advice, be more like the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, I feel like we've beaten this horse <laughs> to death a few times. Poor crimes of control. I could go on, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm well aware. I'm sure. I you have could. a whole and list. And the shoe color in the first scene was different than the <laughs> shoe color in the second scene. Defense against the dark arts. Are you serious? Come oh on. yeah, I had a mild aneurysm when that happened. I know. But it was so annoying. Let's get into an equally problematic <laughs> film, Widows. <laughs> Are you going to talk about this too? Is this both of ours? We're just on opposing ends. I mean, this, I mean, no, I I have a completely <laughs> different thing that I want to talk about, but because I didn't hate Widows and I didn't hate yeah. this movie, but I just right. did not. Okay, not well, let me start then. It. I want to talk about this. I was really excited for this film and I was surprised by how it went like I wasn't expecting it exactly but I loved it and I thought it was a really smart film and it was refreshing to see a movie that was so it was like uh, it was it wasn't based on anything it wasn't a sequel to anything it was just there it was just a movie well no it it was based on a tv series in the UK oh it was that was based on a novel so Hmm, now I have to read it I have to watch a UK series (laughs) was it good no I think it was from like the 90s (laughs) okay well anyways my point is i felt very refreshed going into it and not having any idea where it was going what was going to happen and the cast was all incredible i mean you have viola davis you have liam neeson who probably shouldn't have been listed next now that i'm thinking about it but everyone was really good and i rodriguez yeah back from lost (laughs) she's there yeah and lucia but I think what I liked most about the film was just how well it was made. Like it was just so, it was just like a really interesting film to watch. There were two, like there's like two amazing single take scenes. Like one that happens with like the crazy, crazy guy from Get Out who was just like doing amazing things with his freaky face. And then there was a scene where this like the Colin feral character right yes. not Firth not yes Colin, Firth. Colin Farrell <laughs> Colin Farrell gets in the car he's in the like poor he's neighborhood like bad neighborhood yeah and the, then this shot where you think it's going to go into the car because this couple's talking in the car instead the, the it stays outside of the car and you get to see the neighborhood change from like this poor neighborhood to his rich ritzy neighborhood where he lives and is out of touch with everyone so it's just like little things like that that were so delightful to me and like and I really loved the like female nature of the heist because it was interesting to see how these women dealt with like childcare and their beautiful dogs and like how they were going to figure out like what to do with these real life issues to pull off a heist. So I found it really refreshing and like very engaging and entertaining. So I was sad to see you didn't. I mean, I, it wasn't that I did not like it. I mean, I definitely enjoyed it. I would watch it again or and I would recommend it to somebody. <laughs> but I the thing for me is I went in thinking like yes this is an action movie but it's also like an Oscar movie like can Mm -hmm. there be anything better like this is what I have waited my whole life for and for me the action scene the action part of it wasn't or like the heist part of it I didn't think was 
unnecessarily exciting or interesting or well done like heist and then i also thought just like in crimes of grindelwald there was just one too (laughs) many characters like there was so many characters and so many different plot lines and not that they were hard to keep track of but i felt like i wanted more of some of them and others i felt were unnecessary like the michelle rodriguez anna lucia plot line i was like Mm -hmm. this doesn't need to be here or the or like some of there was a lot of political plot line things going on. (laughs) And I was like, you could have extracted a couple characters out of this. Like we did not need all of these different angles. And I think that if this had been a novel, it would have worked great. If I had like 14 (laughs) hours to read this, it would have been fantastic. But only two hours, I think it was like a little squished. I felt like it was interesting. It really felt sort of like 90s to me because it sort of felt like those old... Yeah, like political-esque thrillers, sort of like a Harrison Ford vehicle where it's just like, and I enjoyed it. I felt like it was, it was interesting enough because of the politics, but then you had the humanity of like this real life heist. And I loved that the heist was more realistic than like oceans, you know, it was, it was what a heist would probably feel like. And it was really rushed and kind of like frantic, but it didn't last long because what heist would, you know, it's in and out type thing. But I can see what you mean, but I just like, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was like worthy of all the hype it got. And I don't always feel that when I go into talked up movies. I mean, the acting was really good and I loved the directing of it. Like the scenes were really well shot. And the dog. It was definitely a well, oh my gosh, the dog. (laughs) So So cute. cute. Oh, Stole the show for sure. Yeah, it was a well-made, fun movie to watch. But it wasn't... Like, I went into it thinking, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. And I went out thinking, like, well, this was a good movie, but it wasn't, like... It wasn't, like, top 10, top 20 movies of the year for me. But I had the exact opposite experience also this weekend. (laughs) Okay, tell me. One of my close friends from back home in Michigan, we like to go see really bad movies together <laughs> like we go see bad movies and we make fun of them while we while we watch them yeah like we a couple of years ago we went and saw the sylvester stallone arnold schwarzenegger escape plan movie where they play like structural engineers trying to break out of prison like so bad it was oh, amazing nice. we saw the like the neighborhood watch movie that ben stiller's in oh, where, yeah. like they're, oh my gosh that was terrible so we were <laughs> looking at the movies that were available trying to figure out what we were going to go see and we were like oh instant so family this looks so bad like it it looks like it's going to be schmaltzy it's going to be like way too cheery and oh, fostering kids is the best like it's so easy and also it's not going to be funny even though it's a comedy and i freaking loved this movie it was so funny and so heartwarming and like did not gloss over the tough parts about foster care and like there were so many like fun little like reoccurring jokes and reoccurring characters and even the scenes that were kind of sappy were still really funny yes i just like could not get enough of it i i I freaking love that movie I like dragged my husband. I was like, I really want to see this. And he's like, isn't this like a DVD type movie? And I was like, no, I want to go. Like we have a movie, we have AMC, we need to go. And we had just watched Daddy's Home 2, which is just a disaster of a film. But it's from the same writer, I think, or the director at least directed Daddy's Home 1. 
<laughs> so I think it did too. It's bad. It's not a good movie. So I went in, like you said, with low expectations, but oh my gosh, it was like whip smart. It was really endearing characters. Mark Wahlberg was actually like decent in it. Like I was pleasantly and surprised and like I loved it so much. Yeah. I like I would watch it. I would go watch it again immediately, like right now. It was so freaking <laughs> I know. Like Juan has my heart, you know? Like I just love that kid. Uh. <laughs> Well, and the other families, like, in their support group were all, like, yes. interesting and funny. The, like, neighbor lady was funny. Octavia Spencer's in it is great. Yeah, Rose Byrne is always yeah. fun. Like, that oh, was just, so good. Like, I kept looking for things to be, like, nitpicky about. Or, like, Mm-mm. for the first, like, 20 minutes, I kept trying to make, like, this is a sucky movie jokes. <laughs> and I, like, couldn't think of things. Your and then at a certain point, we both just kind of looked melted. at each other. We're like, we accidentally went to a good movie, didn't we? <laughs> I know I was like because you know I feel like comedies like that always even the good ones end up around like 60 percent ish on Rotten Tomatoes but this one has done really well and people are like very pleasantly surprised and engaged with it and I'm happy for it I think it deserves all the hype it's getting and one thing I hate so much about comedies is when they try to turn it into like an emotional movie in the second like half. Lesson. Like yeah. like Blockers was like that and <laughs> um and I felt like Game Night sort of had a little bit of that going on where it's like the first half of the movie is like solely comedy and then at a certain point right, they're like, like shoot physical. we can't just be comedy to the end so now these like last 10 scenes are going to all be like not funny at all and yeah. this movie I think because the whole thing is like sort of a little bit serious like it maintained the same level of humor from the beginning to the end so even when there's yes. like really upsetting scenes or really heartwarming scenes they're still like undercut with this humor <laughs> and it's not like straight serious Juan, what did you say what did you say Juan? Juan? <laughs> what is it what <laughs> I love the Joan so Cusack funny. character who's like uh, yeah. <laughs> like creeping out on the porch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everybody should go see it. It was good. Yeah. And there's another cute dog in it. So Yes. Definitely meatball. worth it. Yeah. So what sweet. Was, what was um the dog in Widow's name? I don't remember its name, but it's the same dog from Game Night, so I'm really yes. happy for her. Uh, She's gonna go far. Movie star. <laughs> give her the academy award now (laughs) please well i think that is all i have for this week yes i think that's i'm sorry i get so heated about harry potter no no that nerd comes out (laughs) that's what you're here for shelby (laughs) you're here to just rag on things you know know. i try to be so sunny in my disposition (laughs) and just negative nancy positive one Well, we have something to look forward to next week because we are going to catch up on another Thanksgiving fl- flick, which is Creed 2. So hopefully and more positive things to say about that. for the first time in the history of our podcast, we are having a guest host next week, yes. which is going to be so much fun. Yes. Standing like three free- feet from Michael B., right? Yes. She was an extra oh, yes. in the final fight scene of Creed 2. We're going to get all what kinds of behind-the-scenes hot goss. It's going to be yes. lit, from what I hear. <laughs> okay. Don't say lit. I've I've been mm. watching the um, 
I get so hyped because I love eighth grade so much. And I've just been looking at eighth grade (laughs) gifts all day because it won some awards. And the gif of the lady saying like, we're going to learn about our bodies. It's going to be lit is like in the the back of my mind. And I just said it now. And I was like, oh, that sounded so stupid. (laughs) That's what you sound like. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Embarrassing. But a good note to end on now. Yes. Yes. Great note to end on. And if you want to follow us on social media or leave us comments or reviews, that'd be great. But otherwise, just come back and listen next week. Bye, guys. Bye.